All right, everyone. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Ruthless ST Radio. As always, I am your lovely host, Nick Bernal. And this week, I have Greg, who was on the show last week. And also, I have Maria with me this week. Guys, how you doing? Just Andy. Doing all right, buddy. So, uh, as we talked about last week, Greg, uh, last weekend was the PRI show in Indianapolis. And while we didn't get um, the content that I had originally wanted, partially because nobody told me what content to get, but also partially because the um, the show wasn't as big as I thought it was going to be. And I think you're going to kind of share my opinion on that. I mean, um, I'll jump in really quick, but I, like, from the year that I went with you guys, and then which to was, this year... Which was 2019, which was the yeah, last year they had it. Definitely a lot smaller, and you even notice, like, some of the parts are closed, and some of it was, like, half of, like, even went into, went into Lucas Oil and stuff. Right. It was very, like, cut off at a certain <clears throat> point. So, definitely, like, downscaled to a certain size and it wasn't it seemed so like pretty big and pretty like you know had valuable um things and still had like a lot of like like you know things to look at and everything else but just the dynamic was just kind of like maybe like shrunk down like 25 40 percent maybe right well before we dive into that uh before we take that really deep dive and into pri and you know, we'll, we'll elaborate on that here in a minute. But before I do that, I do have to pay some bills and thank some thank a sponsor. Um, Jeff out at the Car Spa is a really great guy. Um, he does fantastic work. Um, I haven't talked to him in a couple weeks, though, so I got to see what his schedule is like. But uh, he can get you in. He can do anything from a basic wash to a full-on ceramic coating, and he does it right out of his house here in Springfield. Um, for more info, make sure you take a look at the Car Spa on Facebook and also the Car Spa Detailing.weebly.com. Again, that is the Car Spa Detailing.weebly.com. Or, again, the better option would be to get on Facebook and just look up the Car Spa. Um, he's a great guy, and he'll actually give you 10% off for telling him that, um, we sent you. So, hit him up. Get you scheduled, and get your car what your car needs, which is a nice bath, especially in the winter. The car spa. Your car needs this. That was that was a pretty good read, wouldn't you say, Greg? You know, off the cusp, uh, impromptu, you know, all those good things. <laughs> better than last week, that's for sure. Eh, it flowed a little better. Exactly. <laughs> so... Kind of like I said before we uh, cut cut into the sponsor spot, uh, kind of what Maria was saying. You know, the show was smaller. However, that's both good and bad, right? You know, that's good because there's not as many people to wade through, and I quite frankly like that a hell of a lot more. Uh, but it's bad because, you know, it kind of it kind of shows you what the industry was doing. For example, I mean in 2019, right, pre-pandemic, um, here's a perfect example. Ford Performance had a massive booth. I mean, it was the size of of GM's. And, and, you know, now even GM had to downsize their booth. Ford had one booth, whereas they usually have, I don't know, wouldn't you say they almost take up a, they take up a nice decent chunk of aisle. I'd say they had like five or six spots in 2019. For example. Ford, I think, had like at least, at least like maybe like like seven spots, we'll say, because they had the cars and stuff there, a right. lot of Fords, and they had the engines and all that jazz. But now I think it was like what a spot and a half, maybe, maybe, and it didn't even have like a car or anything. Right. It just had the engine, the bolts, uh, you know, all like the internal outings of the car, but no like actual car right. in it. Right. Racing electronics had a bigger booth than they needed. <clears throat> yeah, RE RE had a really nice booth. I agree. Um, you know, one of the one of the things that was interesting and, and that I had never 
never considered doing is so this was kind of the first time that PRI put a focus on content creation and social influencers and and you know how that relates to the motorsport business and what it can do for a certain brand and there were two or there were originally three seminars I wanted to go to and we ended up going to two of them we went to and I I still laugh at this every time I read it right you know the the seminar on Friday was literally called and we're going to pardon the French because I'm going to actually say the full name, but what the fuck is content? You know, and, and it was it actually dived in pretty good. Not only, you know, what is what is content and how can it help business, but um, Mr. Kassler, the guy that was the host of that particular seminar, also dived into, you know, what is a social influencer, what is a content creator, and what can content creators do to not only uh, entice brands to maybe work with them, but also, you know, kind of give brands a good idea of what um, what the um, content creating community can do for that particular business, which was pretty nice. Um, it was, I don't know, about an hour and a half long, uh, and it had really good information in it. Um, and you're going to start seeing some of those changes on this show. But we'll go into that at a later date. Wasn't the guy who ran the Friday seminar also on the Saturday morning one, correct? He was like yes, one he, of the five panel people? Yes, he was also, and that was what I was getting to. Um, what He was on the uh, inaugural, PR I called it, the inaugural social influencer slash content creation panel. And it was very early in the morning. Uh, but it was, it was also a good panel because it had, um, had Emily Reeves from Flying Sparks Garage. It had, um, Kassler from, um, Driveline. And it also had a representative from NASCAR's social media team. And then... She's pretty new. I think her name was Jacqueline Drake. Something Um, like that, yeah. And then Alex Taylor was there too. Mm Mm-hmm. And then there was a... Go ahead. So I thought it was interesting because um, within there, like, you know, you just have all these people and then, you know, they all had some sort of social media. They're all were explaining a lot of just like a building basis, which I thought it kind of like if you probably went to seminar on Friday, it kind of was like a bouncing off point because it's like, okay, you know what the excuse my French, what the fuck is content it goes into the saturday one where it's like okay what now you've saw that seminar let's go to this seminar where you have five creators here who like they said five years ago they didn't have any content they didn't do any like youtube instagram whatever ish um they didn't have any of it slowly building and i think that was the cool thing of knowing that like none of these people really had a following never had to build off of anything and they had to create it on their own so it was a good kind of like process of like really understanding and really seeing that like not everything is going to be, uh, you know, right on target, like immediately going to happen, immediately going to have success. It takes building years and years of content in order to get a following, to get a building, to get the sponsors and all that. I think a lot of these brands do are just going in and not really realizing how to play the algorithm and how to play the trends and stuff. So, I mean... If they went to, you know, if you went to both of those seminars, I think you'd get a bigger picture. Whereas I think maybe some people that weren't able to make both of them would only get half the picture. You know what I mean? Right, but right. Overall, and... I think that's something the trade show needs to focus on more and bring that back and maybe elaborate a little bit more and make it a, a full three day thing. Well, you know, too, you know, anymore in the industry, right? You look at you look at guys like. Uh, hell, look at Finnegan, right? Before Roadkill, where was he? He was a editor slash contributor at Hot Rod. Now he does all his own shit and hardly does anything for Hot Rod anymore. I mean, he does Roadkill. He does faster with Finnegan. But he, he transitioned from a, at least I think, a print guy to he's all on YouTube and Motor Trend now. You know, you look at stuff like that, and 
that's where the industry was five, seven years ago. Now it's all YouTube podcasts, and I think, and I and, and don't get me wrong, PRI was. Sl- I mean, they could have they could have done this in 2019, and honestly, I wish they would have. Uh, but the fact that they're getting to it now and they're realizing it now that it's a big part of the industry, I think that is going to speak leaps and bounds for little guys like us, uh, or me in this specific case, um, who are getting started maybe. And it's a place where creators can go to not only make content, but also to network to then make more content. Well, then it's also kind of like a thing of like, think about it, five, six years ago, I don't don't think social media was as big in like businesses and big in industries as it is today, you know? Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. Yeah, they're trying to build into that audience. So there's like a younger generation, there's an older generation too, where it's like, okay, the older generation doesn't really understand the social media aspect, doesn't understand um the content aspect when it comes to online and being virtual versus this new generation where they're you know getting like honestly professionally into this i mean i mean i even look at it like you know i teach younger children and the the skills that they understand from basic technology is amazing and they're you know under 10 years old so that's what i think they're kind of like kind of intertwining like the whole you know, we used to be like this. Now we need to understand to be like this. And that's why they're getting all this younger people. They're getting all these younger, you know, um, kind of content creators to build off of the younger generation coming into the racing industry. Yeah. Yeah. I, I kind of elaborate off of that too. I mean, I guess there was a good example of it. There were a couple of middle-aged guys, maybe late 40s to, I guess late 40s to mid 50s and I think they were the most vocal out of everybody else in that room I mean the demographic range for anybody probably in their late 20s till you know early 60s but like the 40 and 50 year old guys they're they're the ones getting up and asking the content creators hey I'm doing I think one of the examples is like he's running like a machinery business for some mm-hmm. components for race cars and just he wasn't quite sure how to build it up and he's just kind of throwing content out there and he's kind of just elaborating off of a couple of the points like you know the, the content and how they um how they just kept being persistent they were watching the algorithm trying to hop on trends like it's like a whole different learning experience for the older generation right and that really definitely came out in those seminars right right and i think and and I think you know as the as the years progress, especially this decade where there isn't the buying, well the whole experience has changed, right? You look at what COVID has done to say car buying, for example. Um, actually, this is a really good example. Dad's got an order in for a C8. Have we heard anything about our order? No. Does Chevy even know we exist? Probably not. Um, is the dealer holding our hand? No. Should they be? Probably. We're spending a lot of money. Um, and, but that sort of has trickled into parts and part buying and how brands interact with people, right? Your online presence is now more important than say your maybe your in-person presence and i think that's where pri comes in where you're at this you know in you're at this you know industry of all these car parts all these like different brands trying to you know sell their parts of engines and sell their nuts and bolts or here try my springs try this uh you know lever that i got try this screw try this mechanic try this welding that I use like that's where it kind of intertwines with like you know going from not just basic I don't know anything about a car but I like it but it's cool to okay here let me go into the very minor details of cars and let me see it in person at a PRI thing and it's going to help me out with that right well and that's kind of our other example too right so dad and I this year we, we t- 
typically go to PRI with a couple different things in mind, or, or in this case, a shopping list. That's what we call it anyways, or I call it. So this year, our shopping list was... Huh? Your shopping. You I feel like your your uh, father's in your shopping list like just went from one thing and then it just kind of like escalated to like the min- minorities that like you didn't think about beforehand, which was kind of interesting to see. I'm not gonna lie. So. Oh yeah, it absolutely exploded. To be honest. <laughs> you go so, there to rebuild the top part of your engine. Next thing you know, you're almost walking out with the trailer. Well, that's true. That that's a side story that we'll get into, right? But. So, the, the the original shopping list was, uh, it, you're right, was top end, top end parts for the LS6 for the race car. Uh, everything from heads to push rods to lifter bearings, not necessarily the lifters themselves, uh, valve springs, all of that stuff. And the nice thing about PRI is... We know it's all there, whether it's from GM performance or in the case of the roller bearing kit uh, from CHE, which, by the way, that is the roller bearing kit we're going to end up going with. <laughs> Imagine that. It's a nice one. It, is ve- it was very nice. And while we didn't, uh, they actually had a drawing for the, uh, they actually had a drawing to get a free bearing kit from them, which unfortunately we didn't win. Unfortunately, we did yeah, get the a... lady thought it was your dad's card too. That was the funny part. I know, I know, but um, um, we actually did get a ten uh, percent discount from entering the drawing, so that's great. Money off is fabulous. Um, we're sitting there talking to the guy for thirty minutes, so it's kind of nice that they were able to do something for you too. Yes, yes. Well, and and just the fact that again. You know, it goes back to, it's PRI. You know, everybody loves their presence. Uh, but it's one of the only places that you can get substanti- substantial info right from the people that make the stuff. Right? Like, we talked to GM Performance for a total between the two days we were there. We probably talked to GM Performance for about as long, about a half hour. Uh, same with Texas Speed. We were there 15, 20 minutes. Uh, CHE, we were there about a half hour. But it's just nice that we can, A, put names to faces of people, but B, typically we can see what we're looking at, or, you know, what we are looking to to acquire, which is nice. Plus, 90% of the guys will give you their phone numbers to call if you have any questions. Ex- exactly. You don't get, exactly. You don't get that often. No, you don't. Um, and that kind of goes back to, you know, everybody, everybody, there, there's a community there, right? There, there's an understanding that, you know, you at least somewhat know what you're talking about. And if you don't, well, the manufacturer sure will educate you. They definitely will because, like, I'm not going to lie, like, some of the things, like, I understand and I get and, like, you know, I slowly am starting to understand the very small details of, like, an engine and what changes it of V8 versus, like, a V6 and things like that. But they do – it's, like, it's basically, like, education. It's basically, like, you know, literally taking baby steps of, like, okay, well, you don't know what this is yet, but here, let me show you this. This is going to better explain it. So to somebody like, you know, me who, you know, I do, I love car, I love cars, I love racing cars and things like that, you know, it gives me a better understanding of when I go see a car or I go see like a car show or something, I can look in their engine and say, oh, they have like a V8 and I see like that valve spring and I'm like, oh, that's a nice one or it's from that company and that type of thing, which I actually enjoy personally being somebody who doesn't know that much about cars and everything. Just so you know, you're not actually going to see valve springs in an engine bay unless they have clear valve covers. You know what? Just we're just we're just going <laughs> to Like I said, I don't I don't know that no, I don't know that much about cars, but I'm slowly learning. Thank you for teaching me. That's there we go. Yeah. Oh, well, you know. I I had to get that in there. You 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 left the door open for that. 
fine. I mean, like I said, I'll be totally honest. I'm I'm a very big novice. Um, I mean, I've been like you know just starting to follow all these like different car people, and then you know start with NASCAR, and then I'm into IndyCar, and then I get Nitro Cross Rally, and then I'm slowly now just like wow, I want to follow everything that involves car racing or car something. So it's a good. <laughs> good basis point i'm not gonna lie and apparently not a lot of not a lot of girls are uh race fans so here we are well and you know that that's that kind of brings up a point and greg i'm kind of surprised you didn't bring it up before i did you know there there's an increasing amount of women getting into cars and getting into racing and i think don't get me wrong i think part of that is because of people like Haley deegan um who oh, I don't not know. even Haley Deegan I mean I'll bring up right now Alex Taylor when she was there she um you know she said she was on YouTube for a while and sometimes you know if women look up things they'll find people like Alex Taylor and they'll follow her and things like that or let's even you know go into the drag industry John Force's uh two daughters they're drag racers People, like, you know, maybe they go dad and stuff, like, when they're younger. Now they see, like, Brittany Forrest, like, oh, wait, that's my dad's daughter's driver, whatever. So they build up a following. So it all starts kind of based on, like, the most simplest thing of, like, I remember this from a memory or I remember this because I saw this on an online thing. And it's that's how you're basing it off of, like, getting more of, like, a feminine side to all this. And... I think one of the things that PRI, if I remember when I was like kind of looking at the seminars, one of them was women in motorsports. And it had like this whole panel of like people in motorsports and like all females and like the accomplishments, like what they did. I think one of them was, um, oh God, what was her name? Well, I was looking at it like, I don't know, like before we went there. Of course, I wasn't there on Friday, but I think one of them was like um, Jeanette something. I think one of them was a moderator or something, but again, women in the industry, getting them involved, building more of a community with women, adding on to the men aspect, whereas, you know, men are usually known for it. Right. I'll keep this one a little more simple. I think it all started with right on track from Disney. With what? You, know, you said that a right little on fast. Track? Oh, right on track. Oh, yeah. That movie? Yeah. The, like the Ender Sisters. Like, Erica and Courtney mm -hmm. That was my favorite movie. I love that movie. Like even now, like I, I think I saw it like on Disney Plus and I was like, oh my god, I love this movie. It is I think it is on Disney Plus and it is a fantastic <laughs> movie. I completely it, agree. <laughs> it was so funny because some someone was like, That's like a weird movie. Like all they do is race cars. I'm like, yeah, but like they started when they were little and they build up to it and they get into it, and it's. I mean, I love it. I'm like, I think it's a good movie. Yeah. I remember, like, someone's like, "That's not a movie you should like." I'm like, "Well, that must be my secret love of racing, which I have now kind of exploded into." Yeah, I, I just, the industry is is, it's kind of what's nice, right? The industry is always evolving and changing into whatever the industry evolves and changes into. So. I, I think, you know, going back to how small the show was. Before you do that, I was going to touch base on Haley Deegan, too, because you brought up Haley Deegan. I did. You know? Yeah, I'm pretty sure she was a 2001 baby. Okay, now, I would had yeah. to bet and agree with you. Right. 2001, yeah, because when you think about it, she started going from... Offered Cardian probably what about 2015, 2016, right? And yeah. she started NASCAR K9 in K9 But like, yeah, the whole point is she's got a whole different other dynamic, you know what I mean? You get right. all these different bloggers out there. I guess the more notorious one is Jake Paul oh, and his God. brother and stuff. Yeah, we'll, we'll, the, we'll, we'll touch on it, we'll touch on a headline I heard about him today. Right. Yeah, we'll touch on that right. a little later but, but what I, you know i was going to say was you know you look at all these different youtubers and stuff and i think Haley's got 
she came in to the world right at a good time just because she's kind yeah. of a pioneer to keep bringing in all these little kids or young adults i should say into this industry you know yeah and you know um actually during the what the fuck is content seminar um her name actually came up a couple times because of what she's doing and how she's done it you know um so that was kind of nice but to kind of go on kind of go back to the show was a little smaller i i would agree the show was a little smaller um i wouldn't quite i'd say it was i don't know probably 20 to 30 percent smaller than it used to be and seems like a good number yeah and i and i think most of that right is due to covid because you, you, you got to think about it a little bit. Most international companies either couldn't get here in time or it was more cost prohibitive this time. Or it could have been also, um, so in a lot of countries where it's like if you come to the U.S., you have to get like tested or right. show vaccination or whatever. So that could also be a very like high possibility of that. So, and yeah, like, like you said, it's just... It doesn't work, and they don't come. Right, right. So, and I and I think that's a lot of it. But at the again at the same time, because it was a smaller show, it was better because you could spend more time at various manufacturers. the 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 manufacturers, uh, you know, the flip side of that is the manufacturers have more people to talk to more people. Um, and it was just an overall, the quality was better. Um, oh, absolutely. But, you know, going kind of back, I guess, to, you know, the cost of everything. I mean, some of these corporations are pretty big and some are pretty small, but they all seem to kind of feed in off each other. So they must be still making somewhat of a decent amount of money because, because I don't know if money really has that much of an issue with PRI, because I, I remember looking into just trying to get, like, a booth hypothetically, right? And right. their booths are, uh, was it, uh, 10 foot by 10 foot, right? And that's right. almost two grand. I think it was, like, 1800 Yeah, I was looking at it's it. It's not cheap. And he just disappeared. There he mm. is. Oh, okay. I also got lost here. Or got high winds. Um but I was going to say, if you buy uh, two or more of those, you know, 10 by 10 foot boxes, you, I think they give you like a hundred dollar discounts. I mean, I could kind of understand why Ford might have sized down just right. because of COVID. But if you're just getting one booth, though, that's almost pocket change to them. Well, and you got to look too, right? So while Ford Performance themselves didn't have any vehicles in their booth, the place was littered with mustangs and broncos i mean there was at least four or five I mean, broncos on the floor i mean they had like that bronco experience was it where they were showing the different kinds of bronco bodies and the different types of broncos and everything that you could possibly like you know got and... yeah they, they did have they did have their bronco displays there uh, showing the different types of performance parts that you could get for your new Bronco. Yes, they did. So maybe that's maybe like a thing of like maybe a reason for it also kind of like shrunk down in size because they wanted people to see their Bronco sec like exhibit more than actual Ford. Right. I mean, possibility, but I still don't see why they would just, you know, shrink down in size to that tiny of a exhibit uh, of a, you know, exhibitioner. Yeah, I, I'm not sure on that either, and, and that's you know that that kind of those kind of discussions go on behind closed doors, and I don't think we'll ever know. But it's nice to, you know, it's it's nice to hypothesize, right? Like, I mean, it, it could be any number of things. Absolutely, it could be just not having materials. It could be just not having things on time. Right. It could just be simply they didn't have enough people because. The world we live in today is all help wanted, every block you go to, and 
you know, it could be affecting big companies like that. We just don't know it. Right. One, one thing that I thought, actually, this is technically kind of two things, right? Because they're in the same room. Um, two things that I thought were pretty cool this year was the content creation zone, uh, which was new. It kind of goes along with their uh, shift to uh, focus on content creation. But also something that I thought was pretty interesting, a little out there, sure, but interesting nonetheless, was the EV performance zone that was also in that same room. Oh, yeah, that was um, interesting because, I mean, that's, again, talking about, like, evolution of generation and coming into the sport, coming into motor industries or racing industries, you know, EV, who knows, that could be, like, within the next 10 years, could be the new, like, way of energy, the new way of fuel for all the racing out here. So that's good that they kind of, like, include that because, I mean, think about it, how many places now have EV charging stations? How many grocery stores have that EV accessible parking? It's slowly becoming a thing. It's slowly, like you said, a futuristic thing. I mean, it could start off as small as like autocross has EV cars to start off. And then it it evolves from like one thing to another, to another, to it being, okay, this is the main source of fuel for all these racing cars. I I agree. And and I think... I, I wouldn't necessarily say the next 10 years because I don't think the technology is quite there yet. It's coming, oh, no. but mm-hmm. it's, it's I think, at a little slower pace than you might think. Um, yeah, but but, but if, you, if, you, if you look at what currently is going around rumor-wise, right? So the next-gen car, well... That's it, a beauty, it, by the way. Oh, my God. I agree. I agree. But if you look... The, the rumor mill in the next couple years is that <clears throat> when they redo the engine uh, spec, the engine packages, um, I want to say around the new TV deal, there's going to be a, a hybridization component uh, to the next NASCAR engine. You know, Indy already kind of does, they, they, you know, they're doing V6 uh, twin turbos. Um and they're tiny V6s. They're not very big. Um, mm-hmm. I, I would assume they're going to go to a, a hybrid system. You look at IMSA, look at LMDH. Uh, they're going hybrid with the prototype class. Oh, uh, I know. WEC already does that sort of thing with hypercar. Um, yeah. So it's I know, coming. Yeah, I know today, um, now that you mentioned like the next gen and stuff, they did. They had testing today at, I believe, CLT Motor Speedway for uh, the next gen car for NASCAR. Yeah, it was, at, it was at Charlotte. They're having testing. So today, for for those of you that are that are going to listen to this as soon as it goes live, it is eleven o'clock on December fifteenth. So they had testing today. They will do data diagnostics tomorrow, and on the sixteenth, and then on the seventeenth, they're going to do more testing. So it's a two-day test. Yeah, Sorry. and Continue. I happened I happened to on my lunch plan period when I was at school. I happened to like jump peek in, in, peek into the stream. I totally did, and I I like didn't I just didn't have a care in the world. But um, they were I think one of the things that I would peeked in on was um they were testing like the the packages for like different yes. engines. Mm-hmm. One of them was a six seventy horsepower with the six inch center spoiler. Right. And oh, did that baby sound del- uh, sounded beautiful? I was like, uh, that in real life, I can only imagine what it sounds like. But watching it on a YouTube video, like that was beautiful. I just like was speechless. I was like, that's nice. I like that sound. It's a nice sound. <laughs> right. And, and, and I go ahead, Greg. I was gonna say this is just a direct, a direct um, thing from NASCAR themselves. But I was gonna say you're talking about some sort of hybrid technology, right? Well, NASCAR themselves, they they came out with a, a transaxle, uh, a new transaxle combine, um, the transmission and rear gears into one package. Right? Uh-huh. And they are stating that 
that should allow them to incorporate electrification in the near future. Right. And I think, I think I remember hearing that. I remember hearing that part, I think from, uh, David land on one of his, um, this week in racing videos, I believe. Uh, cause I do remember hearing about that. And I think that's where the hybridization of NASCAR theory has come from is that, point from nascar i think you're i think that's where i heard that from and I'm, go ahead sorry i know i mean like i said there's so many things like to keep up with and what greg said like i know i read that um but i mean yeah so like i said it's all like going back to the ev thing and going back to like the electronics and stuff it's like you know slowly testing slowly seeing slowly you know seeing what it can do for high performance cars like nascar yep and and i and i think you know the industry has to evolve right and i think especially when you go to pri you look and you're seeing that with our with our own eyes you know just on how the show evolves which i think is pretty cool Absolutely. I mean, like, the content creator space was very, like, I mean, I'm not gonna lie, I didn't expect it to be that big. I yeah. thought it was gonna be, like, a little section, like, half a section, and then we just kind of walk in and walk out, like, oh, that's it. But, I mean, we stayed there for pretty, uh, I mean, pretty decent amount of time. I mean, like, I walked around, caught my eye was uh, Travis Pastrama's uh, a Nitro Rally car, which I've never, like, you know, I've seen it. And I've seen him drive it, and I was watching it, um, what, week and a half ago, two weeks ago, whenever it was, because, you know, me being a diehard uh, Chase Elliott fan, of course I'm going to watch him do Nitro Rally. Of course. Um, it, was it, was, it was cool to see that car in real life, because, you know, it's kind of like seeing exactly, like, how it's built, what it looks like, the inside, and the tires and everything. Like, it's nice to see that, and it's cool to see kind of like that um the in-person versus tv kind of uh realities and stuff yeah yeah I, I agree i agree see seeing it up close and personal is very nice i would agree so moving away from pri remember we remember greg earlier in the show i said we were going to talk about jake paul <laughs> i i will really I'm curious to see why you're going into this, but go on. So, I watched Out of the Groove today. And there was a headline because I guess he was he or Logan, one of the two, whichever one does the boxing more. I think that's Jake, right? Jake Paul does boxing more. Okay, yes. Then it was Jake Paul. So... There was a question, and that question was, what's after boxing? To which his response was, well, it was, oh, I don't know, maybe this, maybe that. But he, maybe, he, so he said, you know, maybe football. But he also said, and I have no idea why he said this, where, where he thinks this is coming from, right? But he said, maybe NASCAR. Excuse my language right now, but that's much bullshit. I'm sorry. So, like, so I'm gonna say this right now. Here's what I'm thinking right now. Okay, he's he started out as a YouTuber. Okay, vlogging, right. whatever. Right. He evolved into. I think he was on Disney Channel actually, or maybe his brother was. One of them was on Disney Channel, did a show, and then he switched, went to vlogging for YouTube and stuff, and then he was in boxing and fighting for a while, which he I still think does. Yeah, he still does it, but I think what it is, I think it's a, I can do, I think I can do anything, and I think, I think in his mind, okay, boxing, you train, and you fight, okay, simple, easy, it takes certain skills, it takes certain, like, studying, that's fine, but what I think he's kind of thinking of right now is that, oh, I can study to be a fighter, and I'm good at it, let me study to be a race car driver, but here's the thing, 
like what is his knowledge of it because oh i guarantee he doesn't have any and i guarantee it's his money talking out his ass no that's what i'm saying like you can have all the money in the freaking world and you can say that i'm gonna go teach a race car okay cool it's not like like most i feel like most like normal people think that it's a regular car there's different automatics and stuff like that but at the same time it's not i mean oh i can i can definitely tell you that's the case yeah, so um, Greg kind of knows this story, but one of my buddies used to always tell me that, oh, it's just turning. Okay. So for those that don't know, um I do probably one of the most basic forms in motorsports, autocross. But it still involves me using basic racecraft. Well, Connor came to his first event, and he rode with me, and he rode with Dad. Well, let's just say he has a newfound respect for race car drivers after that. I mean, yeah, I totally couldn't understand why. I mean, uh, even for me, like, you know, you find, you just have to kind of see it in person. Like you said, like, see what exactly it entails, I mean, so I'm not going to lie. I mean, Nick, I'm going to be totally honest with you right now. Like, you, me thinking you race cars, I'm like, oh, that's probably, like, like easy. Probably, like, you know. No, you know, I, I, trust me, I've heard it before. <laughs> so, like, that's what I'm saying. So, like, but now, like, you know, me, like, knowing you for a while and then, like, kind of understanding, like, what you're building for your, with, like, your car and, like, what you need for it and the things that you kind of, like, are saving for. Like, there's a newfound respect there when it comes to what you do because it takes effort, it takes research, it takes money, and it takes just a skill. It's a lot of skill that not a lot of people really would want to learn or would want to kind of put up with. Right. So, and, and, go, and going back to going back to Jake Paul, right? Granted, yeah, um, if he pays enough money, somebody will put his ass in a seat. Will it be somebody like uh, Rick Hendrick? Oh, hell no. Hell no. Rick Hendrick has more money than he knows what to do with. That's why a... that's why he basically self-funded Chase, or, uh, Kyle Larson this year. He, he literally has, yeah. And I'm just that he has a beautiful mansion in Fort Lauderdale, which Greg and I happen to see. And yeah, yeah man has so much money and absolutely not exactly. So, you know, you got to start from the basics and work your way up, which is basically what he did. Right. You know, no, Nick, I, I, really, I was going to say, you know, Nick, if you really want to fill a seat, why don't you invite one of the Paul brothers out to get your car spin and see what happens? <laughs> Yeah. I mean, David Land didn't take you up on the offer, so shit, if they want to get into racing, there's their, there's their invite. Well, not only is there their invite, but I have a feeling uh, my clutch would uh, not like me so much. <laughs> but who knows? Maybe, maybe, maybe. Maybe that's something we try for next season, just, just for the hell of it. Yeah, I mean, get them in, and then I can slide into that seat too because i've yet to go into ruthless <laughs> i know i know we're we're working on that that that's uh over the winter project that yeah, we're going to take care of thing. yeah i gotta get the car set up for next year um but i mean yeah would somebody put him in his would somebody like now i don't think uh rfk would because they just you know basically cut keslowski into the team Oh, hell no, they won't do that. I um, feel like it would be like a Wick, Rick Ware racing or like a track house. Not even, mm. It wouldn't even be track house. No, honestly. not track house. Track house is fully funded, and Pitbull, has, Pitbull is like Mr. H. He has more money than he knows what to do with, and clearly, let's be real, clearly uh, he know, he knows how to spend it, and he wants to be in the sport. I think if you put Jake Paul in a car... There is a clear understanding that we're not going to do very well, but we're going to take his money and run with it anyways. <laughs> I feel like it'd be more of like a Wood Brothers or a... No, it, ain't, it, wouldn't, it, it wouldn't be a charter team. No, it's, it's a Michael Jordan situation, I think. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. It, it wouldn't be a charter team, I don't think. 
Um, so it would be actually. I think RWR has charters now that I think about it. So I don't even think it would be Rick Ware. It'd be, it'd be like uh, oh God, who starts and parks in the Cup Series? I don't think anybody does. So it wouldn't even be Cup Series. It'd be something like Xfinity or Trucks probably. What about like Spire? Spire Motorsports, I think. Spire doesn't exist. Choice. Yeah, it does. That's LaJoyce. Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. I, I could yeah. see that, but nope, they, they wouldn't kick Corey LaJoy out of that chartered car. No, exactly. Oh, they could probably send him to front row. Do like a burnout on Broadway thing where he just sits in the passenger seat. <laughs> that's probably what's going to happen eventually. That's probably Jake Paul's only foray into NASCAR is a burnout on Broadway. Honestly, Jake Paul's entrance to NASCAR probably be in the Arca series. I'm not going to put him in the high end. If you're smart, if you're smart, yes. I wouldn't give him too much credit. Well, that's what I'm saying. That's why I said if you're smart, it would be in something like Arca or. A, a lower end series like that because then either A, he would just bankroll the whole team himself, which wouldn't surprise me, um, or, you know, and B, it wouldn't be that detrimental to say the Cup Series or the Xfinity Series, where let's be real, the racing is good, the drama is there. The social media in the social media side is there, and it does not need any outside help. I think, I'm not going to lie, money talks. I'm be straight up right now. But oh, for sure. I don't think, like you said, they don't need help in that department. They have no. enough where they're pretty solid on when it comes to, like, social media and all that. Because, I mean, think about it. All these drivers have social media. All these drivers have PR people, and they have people, like, constantly And, and, and they, also, they also have diehard loyal fan bases. Yeah, well, I can, I mean, I'll say this, honestly, like, I probably follow every single Hendrick driver on Instagram, on Twitter. Oh, I know I do. (laughs) Yeah, so, like, I follow all these racers, and, you know, that's what I'm saying. So, like, Jake Paul coming in here, I think it's kind of like him just saying, like, oh, look, I can do multiple things. Let me do this thing that, you know, I think I can do because I'm just that kind of person that can basically, you know, throw his fucking excuse my language fucking life around and jump from one thing to another yeah exactly well i mean nesca's already seen a lot of outside help at this point you got the coliseum which is probably the biggest mistake they ever could do because they wanted to piggyback off of the nfl so so i I will reserve my judgment on that until i see the racing however however because it's the first race in the next gen car, granted it's it's not an exposition it's you know, it's an exposition, it's not a points paying race, it's not like if it was the clash at Daytona, right? I wouldn't put any stock in it because those are their their Daytona cars. They're gonna right. bring them back in a couple weeks and mm-hmm. run the five hundred and run the speed weeks. Yeah. So in the sense I feel like I mean the Coliseum I feel like it would be not gonna lie, I feel like it'd be interesting because I mean, you think about it, think about what didn't IndyCar just do Nashville GP for the first right. time in a while? Yes, they did. And for the first time ever was the no, Nashville GP. Ever. It was the Nashville GP on the street circuit. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So there you go. There's one thing where it's like they're trying something new, kind of what NASCAR is doing. It's like you know, it's just for for you know for shits and giggles. Let's try it at the Coliseum just for fun. I mean. It- and honestly, not, what harm? And Greg, honestly, it's not that they're trying to piggyback off the NFL. No, they are trying to get another race in the West Coast LA market. And honestly, with their reigning defending series champion from California, why wouldn't they? Well, thought, well then it'd be the Auto Club, right? Speedway? That would be... Larson's home track, since that's in California. It would e- it would either be Auto Club or it would be Sonoma, yes. I feel like Sonoma would be a good one, too. But, I mean, West Coast tracks, I mean, as far as I can, like, think of right now for, like, West Coast, like, the two big ones are Sonoma and um, 
Auto Club, which are the two biggest ones. So and if, you're, then, if you're a road racer, you're going to be at Sonoma or you're going to be at Laguna Seca. If you're an oval racer, you're at Fontana. Right, exactly. So it just kind of depends. And then you got Vegas. That's, of course, one. Right. That's on the West Coast. And then you got Phoenix, of course. Um. So, and then I think, no, that's a road course. The Portland, that's a road course. That's, Portland is a road course and it's IndyCar. That's IndyCar. Yeah, okay. Correct. See. So, and it's a street yeah. circuit, so it's not always around. Correct. So, I mean, maybe, I mean, you're, you're, you have a thought of, like, maybe it's just, like, a way to get, go back into the West Coast. Or maybe they're just, you know, like Nashville, trying it for fun. See what can happen. Yeah. 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 Greg, do you have yeah. anything to add? I just find it interesting with the fact that they announced it before even Kyle Larson was going to uh, win the championship. That's why I say it's going to be a piggyback. You know, I think because a lot of people are going to be in town from the week before, there's a good chance that they're hoping that a lot of those people are going to end up coming over to the Coliseum. Oh, oh, I, I don't, I don't doubt that either. I don't doubt that either. That's, that's that's why they're capitalizing on that Los Angeles market. That's why I said that particular statement. Right. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, I still think NASCAR should go to Laguna Seca. That is a race that I would go – that that is a race where I would fly out and pay to see that race. (laughs) Exactly. It may just bump up their chances, make everything a little higher, and they should be good to go. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, IMSA runs there, so IMSA is owned by NASCAR, so you think the safety standards would be there. You got you got IndyCar. They run there. Well, they used to, I think, right? Uh, no, they still do, I believe. They still do. Okay. I I, mean... I don't know for sure, but I know as far I I know as close as at least two years ago they did. I I think yeah, because I mean, they're trying new things, it might have gotten off. shuffled off the schedule. But I bet it'll land itself back on there at some point. Right, it easily could be possible for NASCAR to run at a venue like that. Right, I mean and it, that's kind of what that's kind of why I said, well, IMSA runs there. IMSA's owned by NASCAR, so it the the theory in theory it's there. Honestly, mm-hmm. I would love to see a sports car, and they used to do this actually with the Xfinity race at Mid Ohio, and they still I think they still do. They ran uh, SCCA TA two and TA one and a couple other classes of support race to support the Xfinity race. Um, I would honestly love to see an IMSA NASCAR uh, either combine because who doesn't like multi-class racing uh, or at least a, um, a, a double header. Yeah. I mean, that would be cool too. Cause like, I mean, I feel like a lot of people come for like, you know, they'll come from one, one or another, like, when we went to, uh, Greg and I went to the, you know, IndyCar NASCAR doubleheader, and there was, you notice the significant fans that were there for IndyCar, and then there were fans there for just NASCAR, and then there were fans there for both. And, I mean, I'm going to be totally honest right now, I feel like half it was, oh, so it's an IndyCar weekend, but also you got seven-time Jimmy Johnson running IndyCar, and who is now full-time, which is awesome. Right, um, that just came I, out today. Mm-hmm. But and that is I awesome. Like, I agree. That'll be awesome. But I feel like that's what it is. It's like you're combining like those two car racing that like are semi similar but not that similar, and right. it's kind of you know kind of introducing it to another audience that you know some like I said some NASCAR drivers that may have never seen IndyCar they can experience IndyCar, unlike my experience where I was standing literally elbow to elbow with Ryan Blaney and I was very upset that I did not say hi. <laughs> Because I'm, I like, still I'm laugh at that. Just shell shock, man. Because I notice him, and like you know, he is very handsome man, but also like you know, he has like those aviators. He has like his mustache, and I'm like, oh, you know, I'm like he he seems interesting. I'm like, okay, I wonder, like he looks familiar. Why does he look familiar to me? Then you know, lo and behold, oh, wait, that was Ryan Blaney. So weird opportunity missed, but also cool to see because there we go to a driver from a completely different, you know, circuit coming, watching an IndyCar race, it's kind of cool to see. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, that kind of leads into a little bit of a personal announcement to round this thing out. Um, 
I'm actually going to run, granted, this isn't on the same scale as, like, IndyCar or NASCAR, right? But I'm actually going to run the, uh, at least half of the uh, Fremont 500 next year, which is a 500-lap event at the Fremont Motorsports Park uh, in Fremont, Ohio. I was going to say, you weren't looking too hot at the racetrack this past weekend when I was out there. <laughs> oh, please. You were, you were uh, sitting uh, kind of far behind me in hundredth of a second. Oh please! You're, you you do realize you're saying hundredths, not tenths, right? Yeah, he, I know. I'm not gonna lie. I was sitting there, and then of course, me being a spectator, a lot of the people out there were quite interesting, except yeah. you two who were just basically biting each other's heads off. But that's a different story. We'll get to that. But it's good practice for you at least now, because like, okay, well, you know. You got the feel of a go kart, and now you're right. not, and you know not the greatest go kart, but yeah, here we are. Now you're racing 500 laps, half of 500 laps, so <clears> in the go kart. At, at least half. I don't know what the exact split's gonna be, but it's gonna be interesting. I mean, if it's half, then it would be probably like 250. Well, it, it is going. It is going to be at minimum 250 laps because. I want to do at least half, so, All right, so if not more than that, I think you could do. You, I mean, would you do five hundred if oh, you were sure. offered that chance? If if I if I either had my own cart or um had because because the originally the guy I was going to be paired with was only doing one hundred and fifty laps. Okay. And I said, "Well, I'll I'll just do the rest. I can't be that hard." Uh, so I'm little do I know, but I'm gonna put you in a spot really quick. Go for what it. What are you? What are your expectations going into this? What are like to finish? What do you? Okay, besides besides the obvious like finishing, like we understand that, but like, are you going to like go in it with an open mind, or are you gonna go in it thinking? It's like go karting, like when we when we were there. On, oh, in, oh. In so, so you know, my mindset is, um, yes, it's a go kart, but it's a go kart that I have complete control over. Meaning, right? I can dictate the setup. I don't. This isn't a rental cart with a fixed setup in it. Quite frankly, most rental carts, at least in my opinion have shit-ass setups in them anyways. Oh, they so, do, 100%. So, I mean, it's going to be a step up. I'm going to be on fresh tires. That's a difference. Um, hopefully, I will be able to get some sort of seat time in this cart. Uh, and it will be the same cart. It won't be a different one every time. Um, but But the main thing for me is I'm going to attempt and keep in mind this is going to be largely before the autocross season too so that'll be nice too in the fact that i will be able to kind of knock the rust off of my autocross racing acumen um before race season starts again which will be nice um well i mean i i got I, I understand that but in the same vein like wouldn't it be also kind of like getting used to a new setup type per se because you're getting ready for autocross and you know your car and you know how it runs and you know all the <coughs> you know aesthetics behind it and you know what to expect from it whereas go-karting like it's kind of isn't it kind of like a different mindset type of thing so or... yes and no yes in the fact that it's a different car no in the fact that and and don't get me wrong, somebody could obviously come out and scream at me and say, no, you're completely wrong. But um, know in the fact that the basics of racecraft, so running a line, picking a line, um, picking, say, for instance, a breaking point, you know, those kinds of things are still going to be the same. Oh, absolutely. Um, is, the, is the setup going to be different? Oh, yes. Um, a thousand times, yes. The setup is different. You're looking at... Um, you're actually looking at your... So, like, in autocross, for example, you're not particularly looking at your gear ratio. Uh, 
um, in a chain-driven go-kart where you need to sometimes be pulled out of a corner from literally a dead stop, you need to look at your gear ratio to determine your final drive, things like that. Uh, and just the fact that it's wheel-to-wheel -wheel as opposed to single-car runs, right? That's not a thing in autocross. Uh, certainly nobody's going to take their $50,000, $75,000, $100,000 car and, and race it wheel-to-wheel. -wheel. That's kind of oh, dumb. That's kind of yeah. dumb. So, is it going to be a, a new experience for me? Yes, in the fact that I've never really done wheel-to-wheel -wheel racing in real life. I, I have done sim racing, obviously, but I've never really done wheel-to-wheel -wheel racing in real life with people that can drive. Yeah. Other than Greg. I mean, um... Sounds like she's not I mean, giving you as much credit, Greg, as she's giving no, no, no. me. So. I give him credit. I those score sheets. Listen, I give him credit <laughs> when it comes to things like that. But I mean, like, when it comes to, like, you know, actually, like, auto racing. I mean, like, sim, like you say, sim racing and actually doing something is completely different. So, but, I mean, sticking to, you know, my man that is opposing me right now, I <laughs> don't think i'm gonna say who is better than others and who is more experienced because yeah <laughs> but you know but well, yes she's not my favorite she loves both of us yeah i know i know but yeah i mean it's gonna be fun uh i'm going into it with the mindset of having fun and at that point there isn't exactly much else that um you know, will make me mad or angry about it. So that's kind of nice. And for me, the cost of entry is going to be very low, which is also oh, very nice. I just have to invest some in my safety gear, which I was going to have to do anyways. Some of it I already have. Um, Basically killing two birds with one stone. Correct. Correct. And then the driver fee is actually um, surprisingly cheap. But I don't, I, mean, I don't know what expenses I'm going to have to front on the back end. I would say, I mean, the... You know, I, I would assume there's going to be some fuel costs there. There might yeah. be a set of tires costs there, uh, which a set of tires is way cheaper than five or six. Um, yeah. You know, just stuff like that. I guess I, I probably, that's probably why, I mean, from what I'm kind of thinking of right now, like... Probably why the entrance or the driver admission fee is cheap, just because like there probably is like some other expenses that you have to keep up with and you have to think about, and that's why they won't, you know, probably be like, oh, you have to pay like, you know, well, so six hundred dollars. So, so the way this works, the way this particular event works, um, it's a seventy-five dollar cart fee, which the owner of the cart pays which I don't have to pay, even though I probably will offer to pay at least some of it because, you know, I'm driving his cart and he's going to get 10% of my winnings anyways. And you are just a nice person like that too. Correct. Um, so there's a $75 cart fee to enter the cart, and then per driver, it's $25. So say, for example, if I had my own cart, which would be really freaking nice, um, Stay tuned. That might be coming down the road next year. Easy, um, Tiger. You gotta fix your first car first. Yeah, well, I gotta fix my... Yeah. I gotta fix that car first. You are correct. Um, But that's... I don't foresee that being that much. Um, it, It's gonna cost me more to set it up, probably, than actually fix it, but that's beside the point. Um, So... If, if I were a solo driver, you know, just with the cart and myself, entry fees would only be $100, period. And then also, too, there's a chance to make that back because it's a winner-take-all kind of thing. So if I win it, which I'm not expecting to, um, I would make a decent amount of money, which is nice. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's why I do that. But am, am I expecting to win? No. Um, 
should always have the mindset of you're gonna do good. Oh, oh, I don't, I don't doubt that I'm gonna do good. I, I just don't know if I, I just don't know if I'll be able to win it. <laughs> oh, if you place, and it's oh, if not I last, place, I'll be happy. If you place, if you place and it's not last, that's a good thing. Exactly. So I'm not on track, Nick. You'll be okay. <laughs> no, I'll be on track with people that go to the University of Northwestern Ohio. Um, which, for those that don't know, that's the premier school, one of the premier schools in the country for uh, everything from motorsports driving to motor high performance mechanics. Um, I may be out of my league, but we'll see. Who knows? I was gonna say you just give them a wonderful ad read for free. <laughs> yeah, well, you know. It's a state school. It's not like they'd pay me that much anyways. <laughs> state funding is great. I mean, they got the money for it. Why not? Oh, that is true. That is true. But on that bombshell, to coin a line from a certain fellow, because, I mean, we've talked about it a lot tonight, I think we're going to, you know, end it for the week. And at least I'll be back next week. I don't necessarily who will be showing, hosting the show with me next week, but we'll find out when we get there. <laughs> For Greg and Maria, this has been Nick Bernal. Have a good one, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>